Hello, may I welcome you to episode 75 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover how my guest began within the industry eight years ago after a telephone call from his best friend since childhood. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his predictions for the next five years, and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end moving matters with a funny moving story. In fact, two, one regarding a small move and the other regarding the recent BAR conference in Brighton. My guest this episode is Robert Cooper, General Manager of Purdy Worldwide Removals and Storage. Enjoy. Good morning, Robert. Welcome to Moving Matters. How are you this morning? I'm very well, Colin. Thanks very much for having me on. It's, it's a pleasure knowing some of the names that you've had. Thank you. You're very welcome. So can you tell everyone about yourself and the length of time within the industry? Yeah, so my name's Robert Cooper. I'm the General Manager here at Purdue Worldwide Removals and Storage up in Bonnie, Scotland. Officially, I've been here for eight years. Unofficially, I've been here probably all my life cleaning showers and things as, as a young boy with Neil and the last eight years general manager, surveyor, basically whatever job Neil doesn't want to do is, is landed on my desk. I thought Neil did every job. He, he does certain jobs but there's certain things he doesn't like to get his hands dirty with so that's left with me. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get started in the industry? Officially I got started in the industry eight years ago like I said was a phone call from Neil. At the time, his uncle Matt was retiring. Neil and his dad Archie were going to be taking over the business. So Neil was having to sort of take the step up into Matt's shoes and he needed someone to fill that void of what Neil was doing at the time, which was going out and visiting the customers and, and looking after corporate jobs. And he phoned me and he said, look, my uncle's retiring. I need someone that I know, someone that I can trust and someone that knows the family. At that particular point, he didn't mention anything about knowing um, the removal industry. <laughs> but to, to be fair, knowing that I'd spent summer holidays here and spent winter holidays when they used to have the coal and things, I, I knew a bit about it. My brother worked here. I'd never been far away from, from the front door of the office, but it was important for Neil that someone knew the family. Someone had, someone knew the work, the, the dedication, sometimes the heartache that the family had put into it. It's easy for an outsider to come in and, and just be a bit blasé about the past, about what's happened in their history. But I understood it. I knew his granddad and I knew his dad and used to spend weekends at, at Neil's house and things. So I knew exactly how hard they worked. And, and that's what was important for Neil, someone that was going to come in and, and give it the same dedication as what a family member would. So what were you doing before you came to Purdy's? <laughs> Neil takes great pleasure in telling everybody. I, I used to work for a government agency, and before Neil phones everyone and tells them, yeah, I used, I used to work for HMRC, Colin. Ooh. I, I worked in the department that handed the money out. We oh, never put the money right. in, we handed the money out. So that wasn't very often then? It was very often, no, no. It was, uh, it was more of a fight club rather than a, a benefits agency. <laughs> I worked for HMRC for 11 years, I started off in the call centre, just on the phones, answering calls. Through that time, worked my way up to team leader. I worked offline, looked after a few of the stats and, and the figures that the call centre would, would produce, and worked my way up to, to operations manager and was in charge of 500 people. Wow. I got promoted, and two weeks later, I got the phone call from Neil to come and join Purdy's, and the very next day, I handed my notice in. There was never a question for it. Um, I had a great career, fantastic holidays, great pay, at that time, the benefits. I hope you're listening, Neil. <laughs> the benefits were were very good as well. So it was it, it was a bit of a risk. It, it was a bit of a risk. And I remember Neil phoning, and and I said, "You tell me when you need me to be there." Put down the phone and thought, "I need to go and speak to my wife now." And at, at the time, Neil came up. My wife was pregnant with our second child. Neil came up to the house, sat there for a couple of hours, went through everything with, with Jane and things, and and although. We were going to lose some of the benefits. We were going to lose some of the money that we were earning. 
It was a longer term thing for us. And, and that's that's how I looked at it. I'm going to be here till the day that I retire. And I knew that from day one. And that's what sold it to me, that my kids would have maybe a bit of a life that we didn't have when we were younger. Do you know, they're never going to be able to afford their own house without help from mum and dad. They're going to come out of university with twenty, thirty thousand pounds worth of debt unless mum and dad help them. And, and that's what it was set up for. Get your head down, work hard for 10, 15 years, and, and the benefits will start to come once Neil's dad takes that step back. And, and hopefully we're, we're not too far around the corner from that, that Archie can, can start to enjoy himself a wee bit instead of sitting in that forklift. <laughs> oh, bless him. <laughs> So what was the main pull then to leave HMRC and join Purdy Worldwide? Was it the future? Yeah, the, f- the future was a, a huge part in it. HMRC at that particular time, so the eight, ten years ago, was going through quite a bit of change. And, and you'll see it in the public sector now, the amount of strikes and, and things that, that are going on. The pay and the benefits, they were trying to strip all of that back. And, and I can understand the government's got cutbacks and things, but it just felt like, this HMRC or, or the public sector, it, it was getting battered every single year. There was less and less to hand out and things. So I thought, I don't know what the future is going to be here. So the future was a big part in it. But I get the chance to work with my best mate every day. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can't buy that. And me and Neil, have, we, we've been friends since we were sort of five, six years old. And I knew that regardless of what happened, my future would be okay. I mean, if the worst happened... I'd have a job on the vans. I would just have to learn to lose a few pounds and wrap furniture. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I knew that future-wise, I would I would be looked after regardless of how the, the sort of buyout with his uncle happened. So the fact that I would get to work with my best mate every day was another big part in it for me. And I, I like a challenge. I, I, I do like a challenge. I mean, I've always sort of like to sit back and reflect on what I've done in the past, reflect what I'd like to do in the future. And, and again, if there's an opportunity there, yeah, go and take it. Go and see what happens because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You, you don't know what the future's going to look like. To a certain extent, you have to go and make it a bit yourself. And, and that was part of it as well. And, do you know, I, I do need to, to thank my, my wife. My kids listen to the podcast because I've got it on in the car all the time. And, and, <laughs> and if, if Jane ever does listen, I do need to thank Jane because at the time when she was pregnant, we, we hadn't long bought her house. And, and again, the new mortgages, new children and, and everything else. It was a big risk for us to take, but Jane yeah. supported me. And, and Jane was like, look, if you want to go, she says, we'll, we'll be fine. Whatever happens, we can work together. We'll, we'll always sort of stick together and, and we'll, we'll make sure that we make a success of it. So it's, again, having that support as well sort of just allowed me. It was a no-brainer after that, having that support from my wife and family about me. And I suppose being part of a family business is a big difference to being part of a corporation as such. Yes. And, you know, we are big on family here. And, yeah. and that, again, my, like I said, my brother works on, on the vans with us. He's been to a couple of the Young Movers events and, and things. We're trying to push him for the commercial moving side of things. And, but everyone that works for us here, and you've been here as well, Colin, so you know exactly where we are. Everyone that works for us, with the exception of one or two people, we all live within five miles of our front door. So we're all one big family. And I know that that sounds corny and a lot of people have said it, but we want to employ people that live locally to us for a number of reasons. But the main reason is they all know the party family and we know their families. I mean, we've had, when I first came here, we had two father and son crews that were working with us. We've got two sets of brothers working for us. We had an uncle and a, a nephew working in a crew together. So for us, they start to take personal ownership of things as well. So the family thing is a huge draw for us here. And, and me coming in, although I've got my own opinions on certain members of the party family, I knew exactly what, what they had done. And I knew exactly where Neil wanted to take it as a family business. Yeah. Neil always says this, it's, it's not our company. We're only here looking after it for the next generation of parties to take over. And if they want to take over, fantastic. If they don't want to take over, and then we'll, we'll deal with that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm right, most of the staff have been there for many years. Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got two guys, my warehouse manager and one of my drivers, been here over 20 years. We've got Stacey, who, who you know yeah. very well, that works in accounts. She's been here 20 years. 
Stacey's mum before she she sadly yeah. passed away. She was here at a similar ilk as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we tend to employ people and we tend to keep people. We'll always have that revolving door. This industry just has that. But the core group of guys that we've got here sort of that I would say the average time that people are here is about twelve years, if I'm being honest with you. And I think that's testament to how we try and help the guys, how we try and manage Absolutely. the guys. I think it always sounds a bit sterile to say manage the guys, but the guys will always moan, right? That that happens in every walk of life, and, and we're quite happy with that. But the fact that we listen to it and we try and improve on that is what keeps the guys here. And I've heard it numerous times over the podcast. Once you're in this industry, that's you. You don't ever leave. And as long as your body can hold up to it, and then you're here as, as long as that happens. Seems harder to get out of bed, isn't it? Is that the industry? <laughs> <laughs> Once you put the gang chains on their legs, they can't go very fast, so <laughs> we can always catch up to them. <laughs> so Neil's already been on as a podcast guest and told everybody about the company, but can you remind us of the company and the services you offer? Yeah, so as a company, we do domestic, commercial and, and overseas moving. Probably about 65 70% of it is domestic moves. Our overseas side of it is starting to, to really take off now that Gemma's here, Gemma Hendry. So it's really started to grow over the last couple of years. The commercial side, we do have two or three big contracts. We move schools, we do hospitals, libraries and things like the big commercial movers. And again, Neil, that's always been Neil's sort of baby. He always looks after that. We do containerized storage, about 1,500 containers, give or take, at any given time. And we've got self-store units. So we do a bit of everything. Neil's been very good at keeping things interesting at, at times, but also keeping things sort of relevant to the guys. So we also now run a, a party property maintenance. So we've got joiners, uh, an apprentice, a labourer. So anything from hanging a picture on the wall to putting an extension on the back of your house, we can cover that. Again, ties in with the removal industry. Yeah. A marketing manager, Mark, I think you've spoke to a few yeah. times back and forward, deals with all of our websites, all our social medias, but that also goes outside of the company as well. Do help two or three other removal companies, just with a wee bit of their IT things, a bit of understanding how the diaries and things work for them. And more recently, Mark has been doing site surveys with his drone and, and things because, again, we work closely with other companies. My brother runs an environmental engineering company, so they do a lot of asbestos testing, roof surveys, and yeah, yeah. safer to send up the drones. So again, we can get involved in that aspect of it. We need to make sure that the avenues are open and keep ourselves diverse, because when you do have quiet times, you're always thankful that there's something else in the background that's just keeping the bank manager happy. <laughs> Not just the bank manager. <laughs> So what challenges have you had to overcome then, Robert? I suppose every day is a bit of a challenge. I'm going to give you the same answer when you ask for my high points. Every day, there's a high point in every day for, for me as well. But personally, for me, the biggest challenge I had was people's attitude towards me at the very start, if I'm being honest with you. My very first conference was Belfast. And I joined the company in the November, ended up in Belfast in the, the May time. And for people that we knew and people that we worked with fine you'd go there you'd have your normal pint before you go to bed just the one never two apostrophe <laughs> and again that was fine but there was other ones and i knew that there was people that were having a discussion sort of behind my back to a certain extent saying that's neil's friend he's only got the job because he's neil's friend he doesn't know anything that's going to fall flat on its face and, and things. And I knew that that conversation was taking place from people that, from the outside that had maybe heard different things. And um, Richard Healy from Healy's. Yeah. I know that you've had Georgina on. Richard Healy was the only one brave enough to come and say it to my face. And I remember standing in, in the pub across from the hotel and he says, so you're Neil's best friend. You're just the daft laddie that's going to be there to help Neil. You don't know anything, and blah blah blah. And through that conversation, started to understand a wee bit more. Now, I've always appreciate Richard's honesty. Scot Scottish people are like that, they're a bit like the Yorkshire, we're very tight and we're very honest with each other. <laughs> so, again, I appreciate I appreciated that that conversation did come to, to pass, and I appreciated that I got the chance to say, Well, 
here's why I've been brought in. It's more to do with the family. It's more to do with the managing of people. It's more to do with understanding from an outsider's perspective of how we need to move forward. Neil's got all the knowledge of this industry that this company will ever need. But let's be honest, the years that he's been in it, but if we can help to steer him in a direction that's going to help us grow, that's why I've been brought in. And I'll pick up the things that I need to pick up. Nobody knew that during the summer holidays we spent our time down here sort of doing removals and we'd been in the yard and, and we'd been out with his dad working and things. So the challenges of, of other people's attitude towards me of here's someone that doesn't know anything and why is that company made that decision? That was hard at the start. But I'd like to think that I've sort of connected with enough people now that they understand that you don't have to do 10 years on the vans to be able to put a purdy badge on your chest as far as I'm concerned. Yes, it, it would help, and it would help with the guys because they say, well, why does he get to come in and wear a shirt and tie every day and I have to continue to go out here and move pianos? But <laughs> I think there's a greater understanding now, and, and that, that helps me. And it was up to me to prove to people that I wasn't just yeah. Neil's pal and, and it wasn't just a, a job for the boys type of thing. It was important to me that people understood that I had a good grasp of business. And, and let's be honest, that's what it is, it's business at the end of the day. Whether you're moving milk carts or whether you're moving pianos, business is business and, and that's what it comes yeah. down to. And it's always good to get an outsider to come in with fresh ideas. Yeah. We, we end up being quite blinkered in this industry. De- well, definitely, definitely. I mean, when I first came into the company here, I mean, I, I worked for a huge government organisation. So the processes and things, they are all... Everything had a SIP, they called it. So there was a, an operating procedure for absolutely everything. Right. And when I came in here, it wasn't like that. Everything is still about 1974. It's all haphazard. There was <laughs> cupboards and cupboards full of paperwork. There was one paper diary that one person was allowed to touch and, and nobody else got their hands on. And so you could only book in one job at a time. You could only do one thing at a time. And if someone needed a bit of paperwork, it took you six hours to troll through all the, the sort of files that were, that were kept in the office. So to come in and see that, I was quite shocked, knowing how successful the company had been for so many years, I was still quite shocked at how primitive and to, to a certain extent, Neil won't appreciate this, how backwards it actually operated in, in the background of it. But I think that's probably fair to most companies in our industry as well. Well, it- it is, because that removal diary is the removal man's Bible. He goes to bed with that every night. Yeah. So you can't take it off him. Do you know, we had, we had to make a, a lot of changes in the background. Getting rid of the paperwork was just one of them. And I, I remember the day that I said to Neil, do you know what? Everybody should have two screens on their yeah. PC. And he, he says, brilliant. He says, I love it. I says, you can have this on that. You can do that on that. Your customer phones, it's all, everything's there. It'll make everybody's life a hell of a lot easier. We put it into the office, and there was a couple of the girls in the office didn't turn the, the other screen on for like the first <laughs> six weeks. And, it, and it, it took a lot. It took a lot of time just, and it's small changes like that that people started to see the impact. So now, I mean, our diary is electronic. It's it's yeah. all sort of Google Sheets and things. So I can, I can be sitting in a customer's house and, and I can be looking at the diary at the same time. We can be going to conferences or, or we can be going on our holidays. We can still keep an eye on all these things. So, yeah, I, I understand. I mean, Neil's still got the paper diaries that we had, like, from 15 years ago. <laughs> and it's, it, it's like, let's check what it done in August 1996 just to see how busy it was that year. I, I get that. But, again, we, we had to move forward. And, yeah. and again, that's, that's a bit of a challenge as well. The biggest challenge for me outside of this place is be my family. And again, people have touched on, on this as, as well. Again, I've gone from a job where I got sort of eight weeks holiday every year. I worked flexi time. and I mean, when my first child was born, I, I was changed my shift and I got every Friday off. The Friday, Saturday, Sunday off every single week. And now I go to sort of giving the girls a, a kiss in the head before they've even woke up in the morning to sort of waving them off to bed when I get back at night, especially during the summer months. So it's, it's been a challenge there as well in the house to try and remind yourself of why you're doing it yeah. and try and remind the family of why you're doing it. And again, the, the support of my wife, I know that 
Dan Braddock spoke before about the support that he's been given and, and the things that he's had in, in his life. And I know that Paul Fox mentioned it as, as well. And I mean, it's it, it's been unbelievable to listen to some of these podcasts. I mean, Rob Bartup said it himself, and I know that he's, he's a big believer in making sure that your other half goes to conferences and things and understands this is what all the hard work is for, the celebration in that May time or, or whatever. <laughs> this, this is what the hard work is for. And again, I, I think my family have, have stood by me, especially through the times where it is a case of you could go four days without seeing the kids because they're so young that they're going to their bed and early doors and, and things like that. So that's always been a challenge as well. But I'd like to think that in years to come, they'll look back and say, my dad done us proud, my dad done it for the right reasons. I hope so. I hope so. And don't forget, behind every great man is a great woman. Yeah, well, no, definitely. I mean, I, I couldn't do it without Jane. And I know that, that Neil would say the same about his other half, Diane. We couldn't do it without our wives and our other halves. And again, it's the same. I don't think that they get the appreciation that they deserve at times. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Well, I hope you take yours a bunch of flowers on the way home tonight. <laughs> I need to wait to pay day. Remember, I took a pay cut to come <laughs> <laughs> So if you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? Again, knowing that officially it's only really been eight years that I've been here, I wouldn't change a thing. That's going to sound daft, right? And it's going to sound no, daft. there's several people that have said that. I wouldn't change a thing. And the reason that I wouldn't change a thing is because every day I've learned something, and I continue to do it. Sometimes it's been a huge lesson. Sometimes it's just been a, a tiny wee nugget of, of sort of information that I've taken away from that day. But every day I've learned something, and without having that experience, I don't think that we would be in the position that we're in at the minute. Yeah, I am very lucky that Neil is very laid back. He's very level headed. So. If I know that I've made a mistake, I can come in, I can have a conversation, and without any raised voices or, or falling out or anything, Neil will be able to sort of be a sounding board for me to say, well, do you know what? Yes, yeah, it's, it's not great. We have let that customer down or we have let that crew down because of the, the actions that are taken. But moving forward, we know that we're not going to make it again. And, and I would yeah. like to think that because of that, every day we improve. So I wouldn't change a thing. I, I really wouldn't change a thing. Now, you've already said every day is a highlight of being in the industry, but do you have any more? I do. I've, I've got a few. For lack of experience, so to speak, one of the highest points for me personally was we moved to school. I was only three years in, and I was tasked with moving to school over the summer holidays. So we had something like 25,000 cubic feet. Wow. I had to be shifted over that time. Everybody drafted in their nephews and things like that. It's box carriers, a couple of experienced guys here just to help run it. It was a state-of-the-art school that was getting moved into, which now my, my nieces and nephews go to that school really? and, and things. So at the time, it was only one of three schools built like this at, at that particular time. And I went to the first planning meeting about six months before, and Neil was there at the time, and he just turned around and says, you're going to run this. And the sort of bottom fell out my trousers at that particular <laughs> point. And I thought, right, okay. So you're going to run this. And, and do you know, it was just about the planning and it was about the, the sort of making sure that we had a, a plan in place and we tried to stick to a timeline. And as long as we'd done that and then we would get over and try and explain that to the guys. So I'm working two days ahead of the guys. I've got a crew that are working a day ahead of the big crew and then you had your big crew that were moving everything else back and forward. It really went without a hitch, yeah. if I'm being honest with you. And again, we've been invited back to the school to have a wander around now that everything's there and the kids are in and things. So that was a, a big highlight, one of my first big highlights for, for me to say, do you know what, I've looked after that. And, and again, if it was to happen tomorrow, I'd, I'd be in with both hands and, and both feet and then you'd be getting your, your sleeves rolled up and you'd be away again. As a company, being part of here as, as a company, highlights have been, I, again, when it comes to the Giraffe About Town project yeah. that we've had, the, the Urwali project that we've had, to be involved in, in two or three of these things that, that have such an impact, not just on your local community, but, but Scotland as a whole. I mean, delivering these things out and about around Edinburgh in the middle of the night is, 
is some, something else. And then when you walk through Edinburgh as a tourist, people are standing taking photographs of it and they're talking about it and they're asking and you can sort of lean over and give them a wee a wee bit of information in their ear about yeah. it because you you know. And again, it was it was a proud moment for my family as well because I'm taking my kids into Edinburgh Festival and you've got all these giraffes there that the kids have been in the back of the van for and they've been in the yard and they've seen it and the, and they understand that their, their dad is, is part of a team that's been responsible for getting these out on the streets. I suppose the, the, the other thing is as well, which is quite important to us here at Purdy's, I sit as the chairman for the Scottish area for the BER. And, and that's a huge thing for us. I also sit as the National Councillor for Scotland as well. So some of that is down to we want to get involved. Some of it is down to, and a lot of movers will back me up on this, a lack of volunteers when you go to your area meetings. No oh, one definitely. <laughs> definitely. No one wants to put up their hands for a job. But, um, certainly when, when I first joined and I went to the first area meeting and I came back and I says to Neil, I says, no, I says, that's just a, an old man's club. He says, that's a boys' club. And, and if you're not in that club, and then what's the point? And Neil says, to a certain extent, I agree with you. He says, but it will never change unless you get involved. Exactly. I've always remembered that. So I've, I've just wanted to get involved in, in every aspect of it. I have conversations with, with some of these guys. And, and again, I think that now, because of the reintroduction of the young movers, it's, it's having a big impact. But I think now that, old man's club or, or a club for the boys is, is starting to disappear a bit. We still have some of the old boys in there, but I'm not going to mention any names, but we need them in there. We, we need them in there because sometimes we'll sit in meetings and they'll turn around and say, that was discussed seven years ago. That was the outcome. We're not going to cover sort of ancient ground there because there's no point. It ain't going to change. But what we can do is X, Y, or Z. So you need that input from the older heads there. But there's so many younger people now sitting around that table whenever we meet up, whether it be in, in Watford or, or in our local areas. So many younger people there with different ideas, fresh enthusiasm, I suppose, is, is the way to look at it too. But are the youngsters outnumbering the older guys? Um, My biggest no. fear is that Yes, you're right. We need the older generation there. They have the experience. They have the knowledge. Without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. But there's an awful lot of bright young sparks coming through that will get shot down by the old guard because they don't like change. Yes, yes and no. I think if you look at you look at Rob, GB Liners, he's the biggest advocate for pushing younger people if they have the talent. I think if you look at the young movers, they've always got four or five people that, that are going to be involved. He's always encouraging them to get to the local meetings and things. And again, when they acquired Clark and Rose, it was the same. When I spoke to a couple of guys, because they're just up the road from us, it was the same. He encouraged us to, to get involved. He, he wants us to understand the business. Dan Fox, again, he's been heavily involved in things as well, makes it the same as well, because they've been pushed by Paul. Yeah. There is an older generation there that realise that at some point it is going to end for them, right? They are going to have to take a step back. They can't work until the day that they pass. And I don't mean to sound morbid when I say that. They need to enjoy some of the fruits of the labour, some of the hard work that they're putting. They need to go and enjoy it. However, before we go and before we hang up our sort of boots, we're going to make sure that the younger generation have got as much information and they learn as many lessons as they possibly can. So if I was to sit in a room, for example, with, with four young movers and we had maybe even a Mark Chudley sitting there, Mark Chudley would be counted as, as equal to the four young movers that we've got in the room, if that makes sense. I think the four young movers would look up to, to and they would take everything away from it and Mark would count as four young movers the experiences, the lessons that he's got to teach and things. So there are good people there that are happy to pass that information on. It's just whether you want to listen to it or not. And I think that without the young movers, when I first started going to the area meetings, there wasn't many young people there because the young people didn't want to learn because they couldn't see a path, couldn't see a way forward of how do I get to become BR president? 
how do I get to running this company for you? They couldn't see that path. The Young Movers has opened that door. Thankfully, floodgates have, have started and you've got all these younger ones that have maybe previously would have spent the next 10, 15 years on a van until their dad or their uncle or granddad passed away before they got moved into the office are now saying, no, wait a minute. We can either make it easier for our crews, better for our customers, we can make extra money, we just have to tweak X, Y, and Z, and all of a sudden the older generation are saying, well, do you know what, you're right. And previously, I don't think there was as much of a voice for the younger generation. So I think it does work well. No one likes change, Colin. Let's be honest, no one likes change, right? No, they don't. But some of the names that you mentioned there, I just worry that when you've got the likes of Mike and Dan, from Fox, Paul Sutton's, are they going there with their own ideas or are they going there with Paul's ideas? Is Dan Braddock going there with his ideas or is he going there with Rob Bartup's ideas? Have they bought into the company ideas rather than do they have their own mindset? Yeah, I think it's a fair point. And I think if we look at what we've got here at Purdy's, and they'll use this as an example, there is an element of both. And they all work for successful companies. So the ideas that they have clearly work. Yeah. But do they have their own mindset? Will they go against the grain? Will Dan and Mike go against Paul? Um, Pass for Dan and Mike. For you as parties as an example, we spoke briefly before we started recording here about making sure that we can get Archie to the point where he retires and the things and the stuff like that and they can enjoy a wee bit of it. But before that point, Archie's still the one that if something was to go wrong, would have to front the money for it. Yeah. So I think until we get to the point here where we can say, do you know what, we're going to build a new warehouse there and it's going to cost us one and a half million pounds, for example. Yeah. We are the ones that will take all the risk. Until that point, you've got to, to a certain extent, follow in their footsteps because they're the ones that are still taking the risk. Does that mean that if Archie was to retire tomorrow, for example, that Neil wouldn't decide to go in a slightly different direction? No. Neil would choose his own path. And I think that the majority of the young movers that I speak to that have either been involved with at conference or through different platforms, they will, in my view, and it is just my view, you would need to, to maybe speak to more of them, but they will take their own path. And if that means that they change the way that their company works or they change the branding of their company or they change the direction of what they do and they stop doing domestic stuff because they just want to deal with overseas stuff, I think they will do that because the world is changing. But we can't push the old guard out. We can't push them away too quickly because there is a very high risk that will fall flat in their face. We do need to still pick up everything that they can teach us and use them as a sounding board. Well, the world is changing, and if you don't change, you're going to get left behind. Yeah. It's a bit like the social media. There are some really good companies out there on social media, but there are some really bad companies on social media that are well-known companies in the industry. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to come out with it. Even the BAR is awful with social media. Absolutely awful. Contact me, and I'll tell you why. No, I would agree with you, and, and it's a conversation that I've had around the table at National Council that when it comes to websites, when it comes to who are we trying to target, when it comes to our Twitter pages, our Facebook pages for, for the BR, who is it we're trying to target? Are we targeting consumers or are we targeting other BR members? It's important to understand that. Social media thing, I, I don't take a great deal to do with what we produce, but we know that we need to produce that on a regular basis. We know it needs to be consistent. It doesn't work putting a post up on a Tuesday and then waiting a fortnight before you put something else up. It needs to be a consistent, a daily thing. We are very lucky here that we have got Mark, who's our marketing manager, who's, it just comes as second nature to him. We are very, very lucky. There'll be other companies out there, and if their socials and uh, their websites and things aren't up to scratch in other people's views, and then they'll be looking at their budgets that they've got, I would imagine, as well. Because if you don't have someone out in-house, you don't have someone that's got an understanding of how it all works in the background, it can cost you an arm and a leg. And again, people probably don't have budgets for it, whereas we're lucky we can deal with it in-house. But we do need to change, and, and is it because they don't have 
an understanding of it or is it because they don't have an appetite for it? And again, I, I can only speak for our company. Everybody's company is very different. I see it on social media all the time. People say, I went and queued a job at this and someone has charged X, Y and Z and I was going to charge X, Y and Z. And people argue about it all day. I mean, they're going to drive themselves into an early grave arguing about these things. <laughs> you don't know how my company runs and what my finances are and my overheads are, the way that I don't know what your company is and what your overheads are. So my cost is, is my cost because that's what I need and your cost should be exactly the same. And if, if you're not getting that cost right, that's your fault and you won't be here long enough to argue about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So Absolutely. I suppose I can only speak for, for our company, but I do see the next generation, and I've seen it more now, there's far more social media and far better social media now than what there was eight years ago. Oh, definitely. Eight years ago, we were probably still using yellow pages, and that used to be about an inch thick. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at Kieran at Pickers Girls. They went through a rebranding, and since they went through the rebranding and, and things, the socials have have sort of stepped up as well. So every picture he puts out, it's got the Pickers Girls um, logo in, in the corner. It's got the colours on, on the band. You've got to have that. And I would like to think that Mark in our office here has had a sort of, he's had a hand in that, sort of yeah. pushing people and, and to a certain extent maybe forcing some companies to say, wait a minute, if they're going to pull away in that direction, then we better keep up with them, otherwise we're going to be left behind. And I think that the young movers, just to, to go back to the young movers, I think they're all in that same mindset. Again, we mentioned it before the call. People don't want to work 8 in the morning until 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. The young movers who are going to be taking over the companies, they don't want to be working 12, 14, 15 hours a day the way that their, their dads did or their granddads did or their uncles did. They don't want to do it. So they'll find the shortcuts like the social media. They'll find the wee things in there that's going to allow their company to continually grow continually make good money if they're good at it but work half the hours that they need to work because let's be honest life's too short to be working that length of time or they might just leave the removal industry altogether and become social media influencers or or <laughs> or turn everything into big massive self-stores because there's a lot of money in self-store definitely <laughs> neil's threatened it a few times and then my wife's phoned them and says no you told Robert they'd be all right until the day they retired. <laughs> you better keep the wheels rolling. <laughs> so what one thing would you change within the moving industry? I'm going to give you a magic wand, Robert. Change one thing. I would like to change it to the point where we are viewed it as a trade. And it's been said a lot of times on Many the podcast. No one, no one haggles with a an electrician. When an electrician comes in to fit a new set of lights in your house, he, he doesn't come in and say, right, it's going to cost you £500 and say, oh, can you do it for £300 and I'll, I'll pay you in six weeks once funds have been released for elsewhere. They don't do it. They're looked at as a professional and they're paid for as a professional. There's work going on in the background with the apprenticeship scheme and the things that hopefully this time round is going to put our industry in a better standard. But I would like to see our young guys coming in and going to college for two years, three years, four years, as well as working on the vehicles and coming out with a proper trade. And, and that's not just driving the lorry. That's, the, I mean, the export parking, the stacking a vehicle, the customer service. I don't think there's any trade out there that has to deal with the different facets that we deal with. If you're a joiner, you go out with your hammer and your saw, and that's you. You don't have to deal with lawyers, solicitors. You don't have to deal with the customer. You don't have to deal with the office, the other crew members, the traffic on the roads. Our guys deal with all of that. So why they're not looked at as a proper trade, and if you want to use that term, is beyond me. And it drives me crazy at times that we are the ones that are at the bottom of the run that seem to be the best at what we do in, in every aspect. And I can't ever see that changing. As much as I also agree with you that we should, I can't see it changing. And that's probably why it's so frustrating, Colin. I, I can't see it changing either. I, I can't. And, and again, we've, we've sat in this office, we've sat in the public. The guys over the years, and we've asked the question, and how would we do this, and how would you do that? It needs to be government-led. And there's, this is going to 
sound quite bad, but there's not enough money in it for the government to be interested. No, you did right. That's where the problem. Yeah. The only other thing I would like to see happen is a customer to haggle with a lawyer and solicitor instead of trying to haggle with us. <laughs> and I take it that's not on a monetary basis, that's on a time frame basis. No, a monetary basis. I Again, the, the time frame, and I know that it's, it's been spoke about a lot of time, regulation and exchange of keys. That ain't ever going to change, right? Yeah. It ain't ever going to change. But why should the customer come to me and say, it's all fallen through, I don't want to pay the cancellation fee, I know that it's £500, but can I give you £200? Can we come to some agreement? I'll never go back to a lawyer and solicitor and say, I know that you've sent me a bill for £5,000, but can you accept £3,500? No, they just send them a cheque for five and a half grand or whatever it is. And we're the ones at the bottom of the run that are having to sort of fight to get what we deserve. I don't see the point in arguing about regulation and exchange of keys. It ain't ever going to change. Like I say, not enough money in it for the government. It ain't going to change. I know that it changed in Europe for the operator's licence and things like that. I don't see it happening. I don't see it. And, and I just... That, again, just my personal opinion, the last area meeting we had, quite a big discussion about it. I just don't see it happening, and we're just going to have to get on with it. Well, the customer won't go and haggle with the solicitors as such because they're the professionals, apparently. Yeah. They're the ones that go to university and get a degree and become a lawyer, solicitor, whatever you want to call them, and that's the biggest problem. And they're the ones that create the hassle, as Matt Fazy have already said. But you know, I really enjoyed his podcast. Good. I've never met Matt, but I really enjoyed his podcast. A lot of what he said sort of resonated with me and, and I agreed with a lot of it. Some of it, like every other conversation, you, you don't always agree with it, but I really enjoyed listening to that. I had an hour's drive ahead of me, so it was quite good that I could just think about it. And you know, it was, it was like sitting with your pal in the pub and you could put a lot of the, the world to rights. That's that's what it felt like. So it was a great listen to do that. But I, I mean, I, I've said to Neil two or three times over the years, he says, we should stop moving houses and we should start selling them because we'd make a hell of a lot more money and our bodies wouldn't be in bits by the end of the week. This is so true. Look out for, for the solicitors and uh, and Purdy Estate Agents. <laughs> On the horizon soon, you never know, you never know. So what advice would you give to yourself, just starting out again? Again, I don't think there's a lot of advice that I would give, because, again, I take everything as a bit of a learning opportunity. Don't be scared to try something. Yeah. If something comes up and, and you think it's within your grasp, go and try it. If you fall flat on your face, you fall flat on your face, you, you know that next time round, and then you'll get it. The other thing I would, I would say as well is apologise when it's required. Right? So some of the guys have been here for a lot of years and, and under the previous regime, there wasn't a lot of apologies at, at certain times. There wasn't a lot of thanks at certain times. And, and Neil will testify to, to that. We tried to be a wee bit different and... Guys might not always agree with it, but we do try and treat them as human beings. They're not just a driver or a porter. <laughs> and again, having the family connections you've got to. And again, if I get it wrong, go and tell them that you've got yeah. it wrong. And apologise yeah. and learn that lesson. But again, I think that's important from a customer service point of view. An apology goes a long way. If you're honest with the customer and say, do you know what? We're going to hold our hands up. We got that wrong. We are extremely sorry. This is what we're going to do to fix it. Yeah. Customers are still likely to go on to social media or, or, or things and give you a positive review. Absolutely. It might not have went the way that you planned it, but you still appreciate that you've went back and you've held your hands up to something. So I would, I would say that. Don't be scared to try something and apologise when you need to. So where do you see yourself in the industry in the next five years? Where do you see yourself first, Robert? I would imagine exactly where I am today, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> enjoying life then? Enjoying life, yeah. And enjoying every day that this industry wants to throw at you. And it is a, an amazing industry that throws a hell of a lot at you every day. I think the only change for, for me, I would I would like to be become a director of the company. I would like to hold the operator's licence for the company, which currently sits with Archie. And I would like to be in a position where we can let Archie 
sort of put his feet up. Not that he will. And you've you've met Archie before. He's never <laughs> got, he's never going to put his feet up. He'll never do it. He'll always be out there in his forklift. But I think I'd like to be in a position where he can say, do you know what? Yeah, away go, boys. I'll do what I want to do in the background, knowing that you guys have got everything else and I don't need to worry about you. Not that I think he worries about us, but I would like to put Archie in that position. If he ever retired, you'd have to get him a forklift anyway. I know, so just so he could go around the house. And <laughs> he'd be going around the house picking up sofas with his forklift and stuff like that. He'll come and visit you on it. <laughs> I, would, I would like to get to the point. Every dad deserves to retire, I think, and, and I think Archie is. But we're hopefully getting up to that position. But I think the operator's licence and becoming a director of the company is, as well as is the next steps for us. I'd never, I'd never want to be an owner of this company just purely for the fact that my last name's not Purdy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a strong believer that it should stay in the name. And if Neil's son or, or Neil's daughter, Max and, and Esme, don't want to take over, and then I genuinely believe that that would just be the end of it. Really? Neil lives 150 yards along the road yeah. from where we are. There's no way that Neil could ever drive past this yard and still see his name on it and not be involved. And I think that's why his, his uncle Matt sort of moved away as well, because... Yeah. He couldn't get up in the morning and have a coffee and, and look out and see it and not come and get involved. So yeah, yeah. if it wasn't a family thing, and then I don't think it would be here at all as a party enterprise, maybe White Company or whoever's the highest bidder. <laughs> <laughs> and industry-wise? I don't think anything's going to change in the next five years. Genuinely don't think anything's going to change. I think what's going to happen industry-wise is the guys will work shorter days, removals will be prolonged to allow the guys to work shorter days but we'll always have your van and man guy you'll always be looking over your shoulder at someone that's going to undercut you that type of thing will always happen regardless because i just don't see any regulation or anything like that coming in that's going to significantly change it the one thing i am interested in seeing not that i want it but i'm interested is electric vehicles I just want to see how they think that this is, is going to be good for any lorry, never mind the removals lorry. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that. If the batteries weigh five tonne, then I'm going to need to take three 18-tonners out, out to do big moves, do you know, because <laughs> the, the batteries in them are going to weigh that much. That's the one thing that I'm interested to see, because the, the low-emission zones are starting to come in, they're starting to be yeah. extended, they're starting to arrive in more cities. And things like that, which is good. It, it means that if you're a professional, your fleet is up to date. It does look good and, and things like that. But the electric vehicles, I think that's more of a, a, a 10 to 15 year. Yeah. Come back to me in 10 to 15 years just to see what the outcome of, of that's going to be. But everything else I, w- I would imagine is going to stay exactly the same as it is today. I think you're right. I think you're very right. So, what do you do outside of the industry to switch off? A walk. I've got a... Didn't you just do that long walk at the weekend? We did. So on Saturday, we had the Rob Roy hike for Macmillan Cancer Trust, which is something quite close to the five years that done it. We've yeah. su- suffered directly and, and obviously with what's happened in our office. 26 miles starting from Calendar right through Aberfoyle, right round back to Calendar again. So myself, Neil, Mark, Peter, our joiner, and Keith, our mechanic, went and done it. Cool. I did see a picture of Neil. It did look like he needed a barrel of lager, not just a bottle. It's the hardest thing, all five of us, it's the hardest thing we've ever had to do in our life. I can honestly say that. I came in at nine hours, 20 minutes. Neil was half an hour behind. Keith was about an hour and a half behind that. We all had to find our own pace and things, but your legs were dying, your feet were dying, the heat on the day. I mean, we're, we're, Scot- we're Scottish, Any, anything above 15 degrees, and it's... it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> It'd have been it's, better off doing it in the winter. <laughs> Trust me, it'll never be getting done again. It's a type of thing, you finish it, and you just take your shoes off and put them straight in the bin. But I've, I've, got, I've got a miniature schnauzer, so he's three years old. He's coming up three years old. So we go out for a walk every morning, he's out yeah. for an hour, and then every night we're out for an hour. And that's, that's my chance to, to, to sort of switch off sort of decompress or, or, or yeah. get myself whatever I need that walk for that gives me that music is a huge thing in our house myself my wife is constantly be music but my two girls I've got a 10 year old and a 7 year old now 
and music is a huge thing in their lives. We try and take them to festivals. We take them to tribute festivals. My youngest daughter, seven-year-old, her favourite band is Queen. She wow. is obsessed with Freddie Mercury. Wow. Oldest daughter, she's started buying vinyl. She's wow. in with, with Lizzo and, and Billie Eilish and, and things like that. So she's adding to the vinyl collection. And Again, they sit in the back of the car and, and most mums and dads have got kids' music on and fun kids' radio and, and things like that. My kids are asking for Steely Dan and the Rolling Stones <laughs> and, and things like that. They're singing along to it. So music is a huge thing in our life. We've got guitars in the house and things, but we spend the majority of our time in the kitchen and we're just music on all the time. Yeah. I'm more music than I am TV. Much more music than TV. I mean, Saturday nights for us, Craig Charles on BBC Radio 6, Craig Charles Funk and Soul. So, you know, we, we, we get the dinner on, the kids are dancing in, in the kitchen, their friends are in getting their, their juice and, and biscuits and things and they're dancing away to, to the tunes. But for us, I, I couldn't imagine life without music. And if I'm being honest, that's probably what got me around my 26 miles. I had my, my speaker on the back. And as long as I had music, yeah. and then my legs would keep moving. But if I didn't have that, I don't think I would have made it, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Brilliant. Before I get to my last question, I have one more. Okay. So you are best friends with Neil? Yep. Do you ever argue? Yes. Do you ever fall out? Between the hours of nine to five, yes. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I'm being perfectly honest, do you know with we sort of made a pact right at the very start that between the hours of nine to five, we were work colleagues. Yeah. And after five o'clock, we were friends. Yeah. So between nine to five, yep, we will argue. It's not often, it's very rare that we will have an argument. It's a bit like a married couple, if I'm being honest. <laughs> one of us shouts and the other one gives a silent treatment. That's, that's what it tends to be like. <laughs> But at the end of the day, once the office is, is away, the office staff are away and, and we're here just ourselves and then we still talk about how's Max getting on at his football or, or, yeah. or what's happening with Esme now that she's choosing her. So yeah, we, we do argue, but I, I think you've got to argue. He's got to understand what my point of view is and, and the yeah. same way I've got to understand yeah, his point of view. I've also got to understand as well that he's still my boss. Yeah. So... But you are completely open with each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've got to be. Like I said, I always say, party by nature, not by name. Yeah. And I do, I do treat this company like it is mine. And Neil allows me to treat the company like it is mine. And, and that's probably the best thing about it. But there is a line. Yeah. Neil says always final. And that's it. And you've just got to accept it. But before he makes that decision, he will certainly know what my opinion is on it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, finally, I'd like to end my podcast with a funny moving story. Do you have one or more to tell? So I've listened to a lot of funny moving stories. Do you know the one that I really liked was Dan's story about sort of waking up in the middle of a market? Oh, that was funny. <laughs> and and obviously you've had Adam Adam Chudley on and, and obviously his funny story involved Neil. <laughs> So, I suppose when I look at it removals wise, I haven't done a lot over the last sort of eight years. But the ones that I have done, I've always tried to have a good time at it and things like that. So, I've got a couple of stories, if you don't mind. Yeah. One is a moving story. And believe it or not, Neil's involved in this one. For the listeners that don't know where we are, we are slap bang in the middle of Edinburgh and Glasgow. So we're about 25 minutes from Edinburgh City Centre, about 35 minutes from Glasgow City Centre. Myself and Neil volunteered to go and pick up 250 cubic feet that was going over to America. It was in the centre of Glasgow. So we are a mile and a half away from the sort of slip road to the M8, which would take us through to Glasgow. We left the office, we got a phone call, there's been an accident on the M8. Try and avoid it, try and go through Hart Hill, the wee villages, to, to go into the motorway later on. Not a problem at all. By the time we got onto the road, everybody had the same idea. Okay? <laughs> so we are supposed to be at this house in Glasgow for nine o'clock. Now bear in mind it's 250 cubic feet with the smallest job out of the, the full fleet that day. So we're supposed to be at the house in Glasgow at nine o'clock. At nine o'clock, we were only half a mile away from our depot. 
Neil had already started eating his lunch. <laughs> I'd been on the phone to the customer to say, the managing director and the general manager will be with you shortly. <laughs> By the time we got to Glasgow, it was 11 o'clock. By the time we got through the traffic and everything, it was 11 o'clock. We got everything wrapped, packed, protected, inventory all done. It was a great job, absolutely fantastic job. We had done and dusted within a couple of hours. We were ready to go. Loaded it into the van, sat, we had a lunch. We got our, our wee drinky juice and things like that. Yes, that's a juice, not a beer. I know that Neil was there, but we were working. Not a tenant's extra. <laughs> and then what we'd done is we jumped back in the van and we were going to make our way home. That's good. We'll be back in good time. We'll be back before all the rest of the vans and the things come back in. Got back on the road. We got a phone call from the customer. I've just checked one of the drawers in the kitchen and all my cutlery still in the drawer. Could you come back? She says, that's fine. We're just around the corner. Back around the corner, picked up the cutlery, got it wrapped and placed it into one of the boxes. That was us fine. Away we go. We arrived at the end of the road and there was a car crash right in front of us. <laughs> so we were then stuck behind this car crash for another two and a half hours. <laughs> By the time we got back to the depot at night, it was nearly seven o'clock. Everybody was in and away. The office was locked up. We had to walk in the next morning to all the guys and explain why it took us nearly 11 hours to wrap 250 cubic feet. <laughs> I've never lived it down since. <laughs> Most of my joyful experiences actually come from bar conferences, if I'm being honest with you. Because that's where I meet other removal people, is, is bar conference. Very first bar conference was in Belfast, the one that I got to go to. And we met with Pete Dolan from Basil Fry. And it, <laughs> it turned, in, it turned into a bit, a bit of a tradition, actually. Pete was there the day before, so we arrived on a Wednesday. Pete arrived on a Wednesday as well. So he's going out to eat his out for dinner, boys. Perfect, not a problem. Went out for dinner, nice quiet dinner, a couple of steaks, a couple of beers. We walked into the back end of the tiles. I, I don't know if, if you remember that. Walked into the back end of the tiles Wednesday night. It was only about half past eight. Walked in. There's a fiddler standing on stage. There's people dancing on the tables and everything. And I just turned to Neil. Neil says, welcome to bar conference. <laughs> that is my very first experience. <laughs> so since since then, you just go with an open mind. And the last one was in Brighton, obviously. And you, you were there as well. And that was fantastic event. Great hotel, great location and things. And on the gala night, we're all dressed in our tuxedos. Yeah. I've got, I've got my own opinion on that, which is a whole different podcast. But we're all dressed in our tuxedos, bow ties, shiny shoes, and things like that. So we went outside to catch a bit of fresh air, as, as a lot of people do at these things. <laughs> Two or three years standing at the front door. And you know how colourful Brighton is, especially on the promenade. Extremely. Yeah, so there's, there's three of us standing there in our tuxedos, bow ties. And we're all talking away and having a joke and a laugh and an American walking past an American woman walked past she says oh you guys look fantastic she says why are you all dressed like that and I says we're here for the James Bond editions she says the three years have made it to the last three and, and we're just no no come on tell me why are you guys dressed up she says honestly it's the James Bond editions Daniel Craig is as you know is finishing we are to the last three we're about to go back in there's an action scene and we're going to see she says, no, no. I says, oh, right, okay. I says, I'm going to tell you the truth. I says, but you will never believe it. I says, we are actually removal men here for a party. And she just turned around and she went, F you, and that was it. And she, she disappeared <laughs> after that. And we, we, we couldn't believe it. I told her the truth, and she found that a bigger lie than the James Bond editions. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> Uh, see that's how we're portrayed and it's so sad it's such a great industry with great people in it and it's just oh dear ah. Robert many thanks for giving up your time this morning to record an episode of Moving Matters with me I truly appreciate it it's been a pleasure Colin thanks very much for asking and, and again I'm truly honoured that after such a short time in the industry I get to to speak on this podcast along with some of the names that, that have been on it previously. And it's a fantastic platform. It keeps us going on the long drives after your calls. <laughs> time, so keep, keep up the good work and I look forward to, to listening to everybody in the future. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks, Colin.
I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 75 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Robert Cooper of Purdy Worldwide Removals and Storage for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Robert. If you would like to know more about Purdy Worldwide Removals and Storage and the services they provide, then you will find links in the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me, so until next time, keep moving. <laughs>